but we are resuming our series of Salt and Light. We've been doing this for the past three weeks. Kobe's been bringing the heat on that, really exploring that, just like what it means to be salt, what it means to be light, just a metaphor for righteousness, for God's goodness, for how we should live, and all those beautiful things, right? And so one of the, one of the things also that Kobe unpacked a little bit last time was salt as a metaphor for preservation, how God preserves his goodness, his creation, his righteousness. And he does that through those who love him and obey him and follow him. And one of the coolest points on that was just kind of like in, in that, that preservation point uh, that you had as I was looking through your slides again, it was like, we are called not to live separate from the world, but sanctified in the world, like preserving God's goodness and all the good things that he has for us and the ways that he has commanded us to walk and live. <clears throat> so, Tonight, as we dig further into that, what it means like to be a preservative in this world, how to, how, to, how to walk through that, we're really going to look at probably one of the coolest, greatest, biggest stories of preservation in, in the Bible, where God really preserves his people, how God preserves his people for his glory. Right, I can probably start chugging through some of those slides. I know they're hard to see. Bear, bear with us. Even the import was weird. There we go. Yeah, salt is preservative. Um, talking about that. And the next one too, just how God preserves people for his glory, how he has preserved his word for his glory, how he's preserved us for his glory, and all these different beautiful things, and that God cares about his creation. And I don't think any story really communicates that in a more forward way than the story of Noah. Right? And so we're really, we're really going to break into that tonight and really look at how God preserves Noah. And we have, I'm not gonna lie, we have like a lot of reading to do tonight. I was like running through different ideas and like ways I could communicate what I wanna communicate tonight through my head. And it just like couldn't tell the story of Noah without like telling the story of Noah. Uh, so it's just like the whole first third of this is gonna be that page. Thank you so much, Dave, you're good. Um, but anyways, how many of you guys are familiar with the story of, of Noah? Most of the room. We're familiar with it, right? Noah's Ark. We've seen the photos, some good different things. How many of you guys have, like, seen the movie? Oh, yeah. Noah. It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Mixed reviews. I was, not gonna, I was so tempted to, like, watch that movie in kind of preparation for this message uh, just because, like, there were some strong one-liners in it. Russell Crowe was a beast. Uh-huh. Emma Watson's so pretty, right? And, like, uh, like just the whole movie was kind of kind of good. But then I sort of remembered, like, all the creative freedom the director kind of took with just, like, Nephilim and, like, stowaways on the ark and just the whole story, like, in general. And so, like, I, I, I didn't watch it, but I might. Movie night. Later on. <laughs> we'll watch it and pick it apart. Um, how many people have read it? Like, open Genesis, read all, like, three and a half chapters. Most of this room. Okay, sweet. Well, for those of you who haven't, buckle up. Because we're about to, we're about to chug through it. So uh, open up, open up your Bible, your phone, your Word. Come with me to Genesis six, five is where we'll be starting up on that. It was literally too much text to just put into slides. So use your device or just like, you know, close your eyes and uh, soak it up. And I'm gonna go into storytelling mood. Get your uh, cup of tea, dim the lights. <clears throat> this is this is gonna be a good time. And just kind of like a, like a little overview of what happened for the before this, in the beginning was God, right? God created. In the beginning, God created everything that we know, and he just brought order from chaos. He 
created everything, light from dark, all, all those different things, the whole creation story. And he brought man up from the dust in his image, male and female. He created them both, Adam and Eve. We all know that story. Everybody knows that story, right? And ultimately, they disobey God. Sin enters the world. They can, like, God reprimands them for it. They get kicked out of the garden of Eden. They go, like, east of Eden. They continue to multiply in the earth and, and fill it. And Cain murders Abel. And from that, the story of mankind really starts to spiral. It kind of spirals in, in a crazy way, where violence really begins to fill the earth. And it's kind of a, kind of a, kind of a sobering image and story. Right, but uh, we're going to go at it. Okay, here we go. <clears throat> Time me. All right. <laughs> Genesis 6-5 reads like this. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this, and he did all that God commanded him. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate, and a pair of animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of all the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights. And every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and of birds and of everything that creeps in the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah, as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, in the 17th day of the month, on, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of the heavens were opened. And rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. 
On the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and three wives of his sons with them, entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, and all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps in the earth according to its kind, and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh, in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters. And the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. And all flesh were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains, covering them 15 cubits deep, and all flesh died that moved on the earth. Birds, livestock, beasts, all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth, and all mankind. Everything on the dry land, in whose nostrils was the breath of life, died. He blotted out every living thing that was in the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. And in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters continued to abate until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. At the end of 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made and sent forth a raven and went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. Then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot and she returned to him in the ark for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days and again he sent forth a dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in the, her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So no one knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. In the 601st year, in the first month of the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth, and Noah removed the covering from the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps in the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out, and his sons and his wives and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply on the earth, and upon every bird, 
multiply, um, fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. And you, be fruitful and multiply, and team on the earth and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth that is with you. As many came out of it, the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I will establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's do it, baby. If you haven't read the story cover to cover yet, happy birthday. That was, that was, that was it, right? And, like, it's an amazing story. That, like, that's so many, like, we see and hear so much growing up through different ways, through different forms, through Hollywood movies, through, like, little children's stories, which that's a whack children's story, um, like, if you really think about it. Like, I, the kid ministry, I don't know what they're doing today, but, like, I don't think they're doing that. Um, <laughs> the kid's version is just, like, it's got animals in it, so everyone's just like, let's do it, right? You know, why not? Right? And now, I want to break this down. Right? And I, want, and I really, there, there's bits in here that I want us to zoom in on that I think are critically important for us to understand who God is, his character, his personality, what it means to have a relationship with him, the emotions that he feels. Is so important, and it's a lot of things that I think we either glaze over, we don't get right all the time, right? And so here are some highlights from the story that we should not miss. Did it cut out again? Did it do it again? Oh my gosh! I'm working without it. All right, fam, this is good. We don't need them. It's just, just, just listen to me when I speak in bold. Like, understand, understand that that's a slide, right? <laughs> We're getting an HDMI cable. I don't trust technology. Okay. First point from that story is the reason for that story, right? This was all brought about by the wickedness of man. Some of the first verses in this are so striking, right? Like we look at this and it's just like, oof, Lord saw the wickedness of man and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And this was the reason that God brought about that. And we continue, like, reading from that. It's just like, and, like, God feels something, right? Which is kind of an amazing thing. It says God was sorry that he made us, and he was grieved in his heart, 
right, by making man, by what man was doing. Other translations will say that he regretted making mankind. Add that title to your understanding of the depth of the character of God, right? A big moment that I think a lot of us miss. And it's kind of amazing because what he does from that is exercise like justice, right? And like the other point that I think is a very common misconception, my second point here is that God didn't flood the earth because he was angry. God flooded the earth because he was sorry. Because God was in pain, right? I think that a lot of like, like when we sort of like glaze over the story, like it's easy to see, oh yeah, like Cain's murder, a whole bunch of people are like, the earth is filled with violence, like it's corrupt, like God's mad, he's upset. But that's not true according to the narrative here. Like we actually haven't even seen God get angry yet. It comes, but not, not here. God does this out of pain. He was grieved in his heart. And like that's another point here that I had too, is that God can feel pain. And when I was sort of making these slides, I didn't know how else to say that, like, that grief in your heart that you feel when someone you love hurts you. When, you, when someone you love hurts someone else that you love. That's the kind of pain that God was feeling. Right? And so his response is sort of this, like, hard reset. But no, it's not, it's not a true hard reset. Right, like we said a couple chapters earlier, like God creates man from the dust, just like up, Adam, standing there. God chooses to preserve man. He does a hard restart, but he does it through Noah, because Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Right, and like in, in this restart in humanity, as we, as we sort of look at that, like, and we start to learn about Noah a little bit in this story, we'll see that's like, one of the first things we learn about him. And the order of these words is important. Like when you pay attention to sort of how it's written in the Bible, we see Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Before we hear that he was a righteous man, before we hear that he was blameless in his generation, before we hear that he walked with God, we see that he found favor in the eyes of God. Right? And the order of those words is no mistake. Like that's a very intentional narrative move and peace. It's a, it's a beautiful thing that we can sort of recognize from this English translation of like an ancient Hebrew text. Like this is old, right? And the literary moves here are unique. They're important. And <clears throat> he was a righteous man. Noah was. But it's very important that we do not mistake that with a perfect man. Noah was blameless in his generation. He was not, he was not perfect. He walked with God. He was not perfect. If you don't believe me, continue reading his story. He's like the first dude in the Bible to get hammered. Like, seriously wasted. I know. This is a legend, right? <laughs> so, and it's just, and like, he just goes on to live a crazy life, too. And what's fascinating about Noah finding favor in the eyes of God is that Noah was fully human as you and I are. It's important to note that Noah was not fundamentally different from the rest of mankind that was on the earth in that day. The difference was that Noah walked with God. Noah was a righteous man. Noah was surrounded by corruption and violence and wickedness, and he didn't give in to it. And God spoke to him. He found favor in the eyes of God, and he walked with him. A beautiful thing that we need to, we need to recognize. And so another bullet point that I have it like kind of riffing off that thing of like Noah walked with God. The only person we see that before is like Enoch, who also walked with 
God. And as we sort of analyze, we don't really know anything about Enoch, but like, as we sort of like analyze Noah's life, like it's marked by obedience. God tells Noah to do something, and he does it. Those who walk with God obey him. And that's a super simple point, right? But it's one that I myself need to be reminded of kind of constantly. Like, I, I want to be, be known as someone who walks with God, right? Like, there's no fuller, richer life than doing that, like I'm telling you now, right? And as I do that, I want to be someone who obeys him. If you walk with God, you will obey God. Ponder later on tonight. <laughs> I know, I'm well. I kind of have to every day. And I think the next kind of moment in the story, God brings the rain. Right, we really see God said he was going to blot out all man from the face of the earth. He gave Noah a way out. He provided a vessel of salvation for Noah. And then God brought the rain. God followed through with that. He followed all the way through. Right, and it's an important bit to know because God won't stand wickedness like he will judge it like we continue to read through the book like I mean like these are the things violence are the things that cause God to be grieved in his heart pain in his heart this is not what we were created for violence destruction all these different things not what we were made for that's not why God made you and I or mankind and like when he saw that he was grieved in his heart so much so much so that he was sorry to the point that he made and so he brought judgment on the earth, and the rain came. The great fountains of the deep burst forth like water flooded everywhere. For 40 days and 40 nights, that happened. Noah and his sons were on the ground when it began to rain. Like, that much of the movie was true. <laughs> I think we see. Which is kind of like an amazing moment where it's just like, by faith, Noah's doing these things. And then it, you can imagine how it all clicks and the rain comes right god does what he says he was going to do and and god floods the earth like he he like mad floods it like we're talking like the tops of the mountains were covered 15 cubits deep cubits 18 inches 20 something young 20s 23 4 do math like right it's it's like over the highest mountain top 15 cubits above that picture mount hood underwater except mount ararat like, as, as like archaeologists have kind of, like, like pointed this out and, like, recognized it, it's, like, 16,000 feet. So, like, when God flooded the earth, it was just, like, he flooded it big time, right? And it's, like, water everywhere, boom, comes through, literally covers the earth, and there's debate and, like, some interesting thought exercises kind of on that. Like, when it comes to the whole flood process, like, I think as Westerners, a lot of us sort of, like, do this, I do this, at least, like, did God really, you know, like bring, bring that much water on the earth? Like, is that really possible? I mean, like, we as a species are doing a phenomenal job of, like, melting the ice caps right now, and, like, Florida's not even underwater yet. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine that volume of water kind of hitting the earth. And so, like, that's one of the questions that I have kind of in my mind, and I'm thinking. And, like, one of the things I want to play with you tonight, because I think a lot of us do this subconsciously, is that if your belief in God hinges on whether or not you think something is possible, 
physically possible, plausible, I am begging you tonight to broaden your understanding of what it means to worship and know an all-powerful God, an omnipotent God, a God who is omnipotent, who is omniscient, who is omnipresent, a God who is infinite, a God who is all-powerful, who has authority over everything, a God who is all-knowing, who knows everything that there is to know, a God who is ever-present. He's everywhere all the time. He's omnipresent, right? And a God who has no beginning. And a God who has no end. These are concepts that, like, we can only hope to understand. There are people who have spent their entire lives kind of like trying to wrap their mind around the infinite, right? And at the end of their lives are no closer to a fuller depth of understanding of what that is than the day they first began. Such is the definition of the infinite, right? This is the God we worship. This is one of his aspects, one of the facets of his character. This is true about him. It's one of the things that make him incomprehensible. And like six chapters ago, like nothing existed. So like don't get hung up on like the whole like literal flood thing. I think it happened. There's some, there's some really interesting, like I said, resources and conversations to be had about like what the whole earth means. You can talk to Kobe about that. I bet you have good resources. You and Noel, you have the, you, Noel, you have the library. That is really impressive, right? There's, anyways, right? Don't, don't get caught up. Don't get caught up on that. Whether or not it really happened. Because God follow through with that. And with that, with the flood, he destroyed that which was evil. That was the whole point. He wiped out mankind, save for Noah. And he brought his judgment down like that. But then we see that as Noah was floating in the ark, God remembered him. God remembered Noah. And the water started to abate. Noah sent out a dove over the water, right, to see when it, to see when God's peace had returned to the earth. And eventually, it does. And Noah was able to jump out. And Noah's response when he like like downloads the ark, gets his his wife, his sons, and his sons' wives. The narrative repeats that like forty five times. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like they only need to say it once, but they just really hammered that home. They all got off. Together, Noah's response to this, of seeing God do what he said he was going to do, seeing God follow through on his promise to blot out all flesh from the face of the earth, his response is worship. He builds an altar. And he takes clean animals, and he offers sacrifices on that altar, and that sends up aroma that's pleasing to the Lord. The Lord responds to that, to Noah's worship. <clears throat> and he keeps his promise like God does. He makes a promise, right? He makes a covenant with Noah. Noah does that, and we read, like, very quickly afterward, when the Lord smells the pleasing aroma, the Lord says in his heart, right, where he was grieved a couple chapters earlier, I will never again curse the ground because of man. The flood that I made to wipe out all of these image bearers of mine, I'm never going to do that again. Despite the intention of man's heart being evil from his youth. That's kind of a big one-liner. And I think it's one that a lot of people get hung up on. 
But I'll tell you too, like kind of like, as I was thinking about this too, like I just want to tell you how thankful I am that you guys can't read my mind and see what I'm thinking 24-7. Like who would be terrified of that? If I could read your mind, like if just everyone knew what you were thinking all the time, right? And like, <laughs> this, is where, this is where we sort of identify with Noah, who was not a perfect man. He was a righteous man, right? And what's fascinating is that despite God being able to do whatever he wanted, but despite doing, could, like, doing a full, pure, hard restart, he chooses to preserve man, even though sin had entered the world. Even though they weren't perfect. Even though they had disobeyed. And even though the intentions of their heart are only evil from the youth. Despite that, he promises, never again am I going to flood the earth. Like, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Right? And God blesses Noah after he makes this promise to him and makes a sign for the covenant. God makes a sign for the covenant, right? Which is like probably our like favorite part of the story, right? Like where God talks about a rainbow. Like this, the, the bow that I set in my clouds, this is going to be the sign of the covenant for you. It's not that rainbows didn't exist before then. But they became a sign of the covenant, right? This amazing visual phenomenon where like you and I see it in the gorge or something, all this light hitting droplets of water in the sky and it like reflects and refracts. Imagine a beautiful rainbow like up on that screen right now. Like, you know, like we see, you know, we see that and like we, that's on, that's on my story. Like the moment I see that, you know what I mean? I'm putting that on the gram. Like, did you feel me? Like we've got some sweet rainbow shots like us three. You remember that in the parking lot the one time? That's a good shot, right? God sees that same rainbow. Except when God sees that rainbow, he remembers the promise that he made. When God sees any rainbow that you see, God remembers the promise that he made to Noah, even today. Because God made that promise to us as well, to Noah and to all future generations we read. That's you and I. When God sees the rainbows that we see in the gorge that are freaking amazing or on the coast that are just like the most beautiful things I've ever seen, think about it next time. That in that moment, God is remembering the promise that he made not never again to wipe out all mankind with the flood. In fact, it's kind of interesting. All right, bam, we can come back up. Um, Dave and Val, we're about to worship again and still do it without lyrics. But I think, I think <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but what is interesting, right, is we sort of remember God's promise and sort of like look at the rainbow in these different ways. We continue to read the story, right? Like we're just like nine chapters in. This book is thick. And we begin to see more and more how God interacts with mankind. Like you just flip through these pages, Genesis, Exodus, there we go, Numbers, good one, Deuteronomy, Judges is intense. Buckle up for that one. First Kings, Second Kings, Chronicles, Ezra, that's a good one. Esther, Psalm, 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 more Psalm, lots of Psalms in the Bible if you haven't read these yet. Right. Proverbs, get into some wisdom literature. Love that. Isaiah. Come on, this is beefy. Isaiah, we're moving through the prophets. You want to talk about prophecy about Jesus for days? Like, read Isaiah. That's a good one. We're still in Isaiah. Jeremiah, Ezekiel. Here we're going. Daniel. We love Daniel. Obadiah. That's a power name. 
people don't like use that anymore. <laughs> that's a, really, Zephaniah, that's probably one of my favorites. But we go all the way, continuing through these books until we hit Matthew, the beginning of the Gospels. And we see God do sort of a new thing, right? Where at one point, God was sort of on high, speaking to his creation from on high, judging the earth from on high, flooding it from on high, making covenants with his people from on high. And then we sort of zoom in on this moment, the bit called the New Testament. And one of the first things we read is that there's an angel appearing to Joseph. And he says, bro, take Mary as your wife. When she's conceived from the Holy Spirit, she'll bear a son and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And there's a highlight back to Isaiah, right? Where we learn to be called, that he shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Whereas before God spoke to people through his, through prophets, through signs, through amazing things, keep reading. There's a lot of amazing, insane stories in here. And then this one like takes the cake where God comes down to us as Jesus who grows up who is not only a righteous man he was a perfect man this is where he is different from Noah and you and from myself and he grows up to the point where he begins a ministry where he goes to water and is baptized and a dove the spirit as a dove sound familiar? descends upon him God's peace. And from there, he immediately goes to the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days and 40 nights. Sound familiar? There's echoes back to this story all through Jesus' ministry and life. And the question is why? Because he is the ark. Exactly. This hit me like a million times, still hitting me. And Jesus goes on to live that perfect life and then die on a cross where he faces the judgment of God, the wrath of God that was deserved for you and I instead of going to you and I, it went to him. And he was in the grave for three days before rising again to be seated at the right hand of the Father just as he promised. He now sits on that righteous throne where he was before and life he lives now as the mediator between God and man he is our ark he is the vessel of our salvation and you will want faith in Jesus because never again is a flood going to come to the earth that covenant's going to last forever but as we continue to read through this book we know that a final judgment is coming and in Matthew Jesus even says you won't know the day or the hour. It's going to come like a thief in the night. So be ready. And it's so important for us, for on that day, on that final day, there will be a last day on earth, which is another crazy thing to think about. On that last day, we will want to have our faith in Jesus. I want to have my faith in Jesus because I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm forgiven forgiven in Christ that defines my life now on that day of that final judgment I will be seen as forgiven my faith will be 
in the ark that is Jesus. Amen. Let's pray, fam. Father, we love you. God, we praise you for your stories, just the narrative of the Old Testament, all the ways in which you have walked with us, how, how you have always made a way for us to come to you, God, how you have preserved us in your image, how you made a way through Jesus, how you came to us, Father, in the flesh, to live a perfect life, to intercede for us, God, that by your grace, through faith in Christ, we may be found in you for your glory for all time. We love you, Father. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing that last song. Kind of again, it'll be a beautiful meditation, just kind of on the power, the power of God.